little bit, amen? Go ahead and poke them if you want to. It's not too late. Come on, tell them. You believe that this morning? It's not too late, amen, because you're here. Now in that video, get your Bibles open if you would to Matthew 20. He said that uh, tomorrow, and that's the only thing I disagree with on the video, I say today. Amen. We have a, had a saying in Costa Rica that no dejes para mañana lo que puede hacer hoy. Don't leave for tomorrow what you can do today. Amen. How many believe whatever we're trying to do, we should do it now? Not tomorrow, because tomorrow, between today and tomorrow, our flesh gets involved. And we need to learn. I said that Wednesday night when we were talking about the, the offering and giving to the Lord and, and getting to that place where we follow through with what God has spoken to our hearts. We can have a lapse between a decision and a actual follow through, which is the flesh. And the flesh usually wins if we don't put it into subjection. So I want you to know this morning, the Lord put on my heart from the revival. I said, Lord, what can I follow up with from this revival? Pastor Allen really challenged us as a church. I hope you paid attention to that and realized that. And I believe a lot of you accepted that challenge. If you weren't at the revival, we want to continue to challenge you and tell you that God uh, wants to do something bigger in our lives this year. Amen? He wants us to grow in every area of our life. But I think sometimes we can hear those challenges, and we can be challenged in our spirit to do more and say more and, and act you know, out these things, but we can find out at the same time that we might feel, well, it's too late. It's too late. I can't do it because I, I already procrastinated too much. Do I have anybody in here who is a procrastinator? Amen? There's some good, honest people. And if you didn't raise your hand, you are too, because everybody is in, in some way a procrastinator. Amen? And we need to get better at that, and we need to get to a place where if we are a procrastinator, it's definitely not with God. Amen? If we can fix something first, it needs to be our procrastination with the Lord. And not be that person who says, God, I'll do this, and God, I'll go there, and God, I'll give this, and God, I'll say that, and then not do it. Amen? So I want you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. And as you're there, we're going to read a parable. And I thank God, like I said, for the, the challenges that Pastor Patterson gave to us from Sunday all the way to Wednesday. And he challenged me as a pastor as well. And I want you to really uh, not be a person who's just going to take the challenges and do them for a couple days or a couple weeks. I want to see us take these challenges and continue to fulfill them till Jesus comes back. Amen? In every area of our lives. And I'm going to go over some of those in a minute. But I want to tell you that one of the greatest things I think the devil can do to us as believers is he can put something in our mind that says, it's too late. You've already waited too long. You know, we talk about a lot and have been recently more than ever the rapture. We've been talking about uh, the movie we're going to watch tonight. This is a movie that's been uh, that's new. It's been in the th theaters in different places around uh, the world and in the United States. I don't know if it's come here or not. I don't think it has. Um, but it's a new movie about the rapture. And we know that the rapture could happen at any moment. And so someone might say in their mind, well, if Jesus is coming back soon, then, then why don't I just you know, wait it out? And as soon as he comes, I'll go. And we might think, well, it's, I haven't done anything before now, so it's too late. How I many know we can get in that attitude? But the, the crazy thing about serving God is it's the, it's the attitude of, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what I'm going to do in five hours. I can plan, but it might not work out. And we have to understand that God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. 
And we have to understand that when he makes a plan, he's going to fulfill it. But the Bible says Jesus can come back at any second, but I have to occupy until he comes. I mean, I, that means I got to serve God. That means I got to go to work. That means I got to live every day like he's not coming back. But at the same time, live like he is. Amen. There's a balance to that. And I want to show you something very interesting in the Bible about uh, time. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, if you'll read this with me, we're going to read a parable. And it says, verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, some people will say that in our, in our day today that would be $40 a day. Obviously, different places would be different amounts. But he says he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, that'd be about nine o'clock in the morning, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said, you also go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, underline that in your Bible, please, whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour, which would be about noon. And then again at the ninth hour, which would be about three o'clock in the afternoon. And he did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, which would be about five o'clock in the afternoon, about when one of work days ending up, he said to, the, to them, why have you been, sorry, he went out and found others standing idle and said, why have you been standing here idle all day? Underline that in your Bible. Why have you been standing here idle all day? How many know that would be a question that God would ask a lot of us this morning? Why are you standing around doing nothing for me? Amen? Amen or woe is me? So he says, why are you not doing anything? So he says to them, uh, what, what, what verse was that, by the way? Okay, verse 6. He says, because no one hired us, he says. You know, that would be people today who would say, I haven't heard the gospel. You also go into the vineyard, he said, and whatever is right, and underline that again, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages. Beginning with the last to the first. And whose, then whose, then, and when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, watch this, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed and saw that they would receive more, and likewise, they also received a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered to one of them and said, Friend, am, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? And so the last will be first. And the first, last, for many are called, but few are chosen. Father, for the next couple minutes, anoint this word and anoint our hearts and our minds to receive, Father. Let us focus on your word and listen and pay attention and get something out of this that, Lord, would probably transform our lives. 
Lord, we come against the spirit of darkness. We come against flesh. We come against uh, anything that comes against the knowledge of your word this morning. We ask for an anointing upon the next few minutes of this word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Look at somebody again and say, it's not too late. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to tell you that if you haven't done anything yet for God, it's not too late. Amen. But you better get going. I'm not going to say it's not too late, but hey, take your time. It's not too late, but you better get moving. Amen. You need to start doing something for God because I want to ask you the question, if Jesus did come back today, what would you have done for the Lord? What have you done for the kingdom of God? What have you done to impact others' lives? What have you done for your own life? Amen? It's not too late to change. I want you to think, know this morning, it's not too late to have a prayer life. It's not too late to work on some of those things we were challenged on this week. And and like we talk about, it's so nice to have another pastor come in and reiterate what someone's been preaching the whole time. Like he said, I'll go over there and do the same thing for him. Same message, different person. You know, how, how many times have you ever had somebody tell you something or you've been telling somebody something forever and then all of a sudden someone else told them and they go, oh, and you've been telling them forever the same thing, but they got it because someone else told them, amen? Uh, it's not too late to get a prayer life. It's not too late to discipline yourself and realize how important prayer is. It's not too late to become a devourer of the word of God, to be somebody who loves the word of God. Somebody who gets up in the morning and reads it like it's the newspaper. It's not too late. It's not too late to be a better husband or a better wife this morning. Amen. If you feel like you failed in that area, it's not too late. Don't start tomorrow though. Start today. Amen. Work today on these things. It's not too late to become a better father or a mother. Amen. I failed as a father. I failed as a mother. I failed in the, in, the, in the place of parenting. Well, guess what? It's not too late, the Bible says. Amen. It's not too late to become a covenant faithful giver to the Lord, a tither, a generous giver of your heart. It's not too late to get involved in the ministry. It's not too late to answer the call God has put on your life to do something for him. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning that it is not too late late you look at this story and you think about it and it's a perfect example of the gospel it's a perfect example of that God is God and we're just people and too many people today get mad at God because they say well I don't like the way God does things amen have you ever noticed that if you work for somebody it really doesn't amount to a hill of beans what you think about how work the workplace should go you're not the boss if you want a job at a place you do what the boss tells you to do Amen? They say, we're going to do it this way, and you say, well, I don't like to do it that way. Guess what? That's going to be your last paycheck. Amen? And when you get hired by somebody, you sign a contract, and you say, hey, I'm going to do what you asked me to do, and they say, here's your job description, and they begin to tell you, and if you want to be paid, you have to do what that boss asks you to do. Amen? And so this is the same with God. If you want to sign up for the kingdom of God, You've got to understand that God has a way of he does things. And guess what? It's not. It's not how you are going to do things. Has anybody been saved long enough to find that out yet? That God does not do anything the way we would do it? So stop trying to put God in your box. Get into God's box. Amen? And you'll be a lot more blessed. We see in this story that he's go, this man goes out early to hire people right before the day starts. 
And he hires these people. And when he gets them, the key to this is when he, when he talks to those first people at the sixth hour, or sorry, at the third hour, which was nine o'clock in the morning, he says to them, I'm going to pay you a denarius for this day's work. So he's very clear about what he's going to pay them. And he tells them an exact amount. And he says, you're going to work all day. And notice he didn't even tell them what time he was going to be done. He just said, you're going to work all day. And, and when you get done, and when I see you've worked, the hours I say to work, I'm going to pay you a denarius. And they said, okay, we agree. And they go and they begin to work. That example in this parable is the Jewish people. Okay? They had a contract with God. God has dealt with the Jewish people since day one. And they knew what was coming, and they knew what they needed to do, and so they had a contract. Then, as the day begins to go on in this parable, now the Jews have been working some and all that, but how many know the Jewish people have made some major mistakes? And they got to a place where it was so bad that God said, I need to stop dealing with these Jews, my people, and I need to start going to the Gentiles. And thank God for that. So he says, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to talk to the people who I didn't hire at the, and, and give a contract. And I'm going to see if there's anybody else who wants to work. So he goes out. And the second time he goes out, notice that in the scriptures this time, he grabs some more people that are idle and standing around. And this time, he does not tell them he, what he's going to pay them. That's very important. He does not say, I'm going to pay you a denarius. He says, I'm going to pay you what? So I told you to underline it what's right I'm going to pay you what's fair you know what's going to really help you in your Christian walk this morning when you start realizing that God is a just God and God is a fair God and God is an honest God and God is not all the things you think he is because of the people you've dealt with in your life hey, do I need to say that again you don't stop relating the relationships around you and your world to God God is not like that. He's not a liar. He's not a thief. He's not, a, he's not a, somebody who's trying to get over on you. He's a just God. And so that says that several times in here where he says, hey, I'm going to pay you what's fair. And these guys say, hey, I'm good. And they go to work. And that happens all day long, all the way up to 5 o'clock. I want to tell you this morning that we're in the 5 o'clock hour in the kingdom of God. We're there. That's where we're at right now. We're at the closing of the day of the work time that we can work for the Lord. And we're at that place where today, still in 2014 and March 2nd, people are still getting saved. People are still coming into the kingdom of God. The only reason that Jesus has not come back yet and closed the work day yet is he's trying to get a few more people in. How many understand that this morning? That's why he's waiting. That's the only reason he's waiting. Because the workday is coming to an end. And we're in that fifth hour. If you've been saved recently, or even in the last few years, you are that person that by the grace of God has come in on that last end of the workday to get paid and work for the Lord. You were once someone God found idle and said, what are you doing? And he gave you an opportunity. How many know when God went out to those, that worker went out to those idle people, there was more than the people who went to work that were there. That's where free will comes in. And we make that choice as a personal person. We make the choice of what we're going to get out of our lives. And those people could have said, no, I don't want to go to work. It's too late in the day. But the other people said, no, here's an opportunity. I'm going to take it. And they jump in. There's going to be a lot of people after the rapture happens. There's going to be a lot of people after they die that are going to wish they'd have made some different decisions. Can you say amen? 
They're going to wish they'd taken some different paths. They might not think about it now. And you can get to a place in your disobedience sometimes with your walk that you can feel like, well, I don't need God. I don't need anything about it. I'm going to be my own person. But man, I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of people knocking on that door wishing they could get in once it's closed. Amen? And I want to tell you, though, it's not too late for you. It's not too late this morning. Amen? And so I want to read another ending of this parable. And he goes on to say there that when he goes to pay, the people that got it first, that worked the entire day, were mad and angry. That the people that worked one hour got the same amount of money as those who had worked all day. If there's one thing that you've got to get out of your life this morning, somebody listen to this, if there's one thing you've got to get out of your life this morning to be an overcomer, it's the spirit of jealousy and the spirit of covetousness. Where you would say, well, this ain't fair. You know, I do this and I do that and I go here and I go there and I serve here and I serve there. But how come that person's getting the same thing I'm getting? Well, talk to God. Take it up with God. Amen? Because that's what this parable is showing us. But I still have to believe he's a just God. Amen? And the quicker you understand this and the quicker you begin to serve God and the quicker you begin to answer the call, the less sad you're going to be on that day when you stand before God to give an account for what you did for him. So it's not too late to get saved. It's not too late to change. It's not too late to start a prayer life. It's not too late to start doing something for God. But what I am going to say on top of that is tomorrow might be too late. Today is not too late. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. But Jesus said, and sorry, James 4 said, and you've heard me say this a thousand times, especially at the altar call. He said in James 4.24, life is like a vapor. He says, it appears for a little time, and then it is no more. Amen? How many know that our days can end at any moment? We're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow brings. And so we cannot be a procrastinator with our eternity. I mean, you can procrastinate a lot of things. One thing you don't want to mess around with is the things of God. Amen? But the problem is, is you can't separate. Somebody listen to this. You can't separate how you live your life at home and at work with how you live for God. Because they go hand in hand. You can't be a double-minded person and not procrastinate with God and procrastinate at work. Because you are with God who you are in this world and vice versa. And so if you're a procrastinator at work, you're going to be a procrastinator at church. If you're a procrastinator with your family, you're going to be a procrastinator with your church family. If you're a procrastinator with doing things, you're going to be a procrastinator with doing things for God. And so it needs to be an overhaul of your life and your thinking and your mind. And that's what Pastor Allen was challenging us all week. He did some great messages on giving, on serving, on praying, on reading the Bible. Wednesday night was awesome about why we come to church. Amen. And he gave us a great understanding as an evangelist spirit of how important all these things are in our lives. And I challenge you as the pastor, now that this revival's over, is to not just be emotional about what happened at the revival, but continue to do it and understand it's not too late to say yes. Even if from Wednesday, I believe 
if you're honest, some of you during this revival at any service might have got excited and came down to this altar and made decisions and said, God, I'll do this and I'll go there and I'll pay this and I'll do that and all these things. And since Wednesday night, you have done nothing. I'm just saying that's a possibility. Man, y'all are quiet here this morning. Amen. It's not too late. The good news is it's not too late to do something for God. But here's the key. Jesus said in John chapter 9, listen to these words. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Because the night is coming when no man can work. Yeah, some of y'all are going to thank me one of these days that I'm speaking to you about this and encouraging you to get busy for God. Amen? Because Jesus says there's going to come a day when there's no longer going to be time to work. Then we have to work now while it's daytime. See, spiritually, the lights are still on. Spiritually, it's still daytime right now. Spiritually, people can still get saved. Spiritually, we can still do something for God. But when the, the, the book of Revelation begins to come alive as it is going to happen, whether you want it to or not, or believe it or not, whether it's in a day or 10 years, when that book of Revelation begins to come alive, things are going to radically change in this world. And what you have done for Jesus is really what's going to matter. Can you say amen? Jesus says, hey, we can work right now. Let's work hard. But there's coming a day. Why don't we listen to Jesus when he speaks? Amen. Why don't we say, hey, I heard that. He says, they're going to come a day when you're not going to be able to go out and do a, a, a all church outreach. There's going to come a day when you're not going to be able to do a movie. There's going to come a day when you're not going to be able to have a rap concert. There's going to come a day when all, my dad was singing a song this week, an old old rapture song that was talking about uh, and I'll play it sometimes really good the guy was narrating a little bit before he sang it's about the song the king is coming how many have heard that the king is coming he's coming for me it's an old song but it's a good song and he's narrating in the beginning and he's saying those highways are going to stop moving and those buildings are going to stop being built has anybody driven around the metroplex lately and noticed all the building man like, like never before. Here's what's interesting about our world we live in. See, we can have a different perspective. How many are thankful for God's insight? How many are thankful we have the wisdom of the Bible? Amen? You start looking around, and listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you anything gloomy. This, I'm trying to tell you the, the truth. We are looking around now at, a, at, at what the world would call kind of a uh, get back up again. Kind of a, what's another word? Uh, um come back to life or resurrection from this economy the problem test did that with my feet amen are y'all still praying for a wireless mic okay good amen and we can look around and see all this construction and we can say see back in 2008 we've already kind of forgotten about the depression or the the recession or the problems because it kind of is picking up again but guess what? 2015 is next year. And guess what? Well, I'm just saying there's going to be another one just like 2008 because there was one in 2001. So it's every seven years we're in a pattern. 
I'm not saying that to upset you that just got resurrected again, praise God. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you sad if you just bought a house. We're in God's economy anyways, praise God. How many realize that, amen? How many of you have made it through this last recession all right because you've been faithful givers? Amen? I've, I've seen it all around me, but it hasn't affected me because I'm in God's economy. But we see all these buildings, and I'm telling you, like going out to Frisco, they are building buildings, like bigger buildings than I've ever seen in my life. There's some, like some big Nebraska furniture store out there it is the biggest building I've ever seen. It just goes on and on and on. And we were driving with the pastors out there to take them to Frisco and eat some lunch one day. And I said, that's the biggest building I've ever seen. And all this, because everywhere, all here in Denton, they're fixing to widen the freeway. You got the lake. You know, they're building the bridge. You're doing all this stuff. Church, can you realize that one of these days, all that construction's going to stop? The world's going to change. There's coming a day. Listen, let me bring the balance to this message. There's coming a day when it will be too late. It's going to be too late. It's going to be a spiritual time of darkness where there is not going to be the light that is today. Right now, we still have the opportunity today. It's not too late to do something for God. But there's coming a day, Jesus said. If Jesus said it, I believe it. If Jesus said there's coming a day when no man can work, how many know that's the truth? Now look with me real quick, if you would, to Luke chapter 9. Go on with me to Luke chapter 9. Amen. Look at somebody while you're looking and say again, it's not too late. Believe it. I can still see a harvest. I can still do something for God. I can still... Get that prayer life. I can still turn things around. God can still do it. It's not too late. God is a, has anybody realized God is at 1159 God? Amen. He's never early, but he's never late. So if you're a believer, if you're a new believer, let me just give you some, some words of wisdom. Don't expect God to show up early. But when you get close to the hour, take a deep breath and watch God move. Can you say amen? Take a deep breath and say, there he is. And you can almost, somebody, some of y'all are going to amen this and get this. You can almost get excited in that 11, 58, 59 hour. Because God is going to come through. But you just don't know how. So the exciting part is you go, well, let me see how God's going to do it this time. Come on. Has anybody been saved long enough to see that God's going to come through again this time? Amen. It's not too late with God. You just got to be in the right position, in the right place, doing all these things God's telling us to do. Look at this story in Luke chapter 9. Say amen if you're there. It's not too late if you're taking notes, but it will cost you. See, that's the part that nobody ever talks about in the contract. You go to buy a new car, they don't talk about the finances at the beginning. They let you drive it. They get you in that smelly thing, that brand new car, and they let you drive it around, and they tell you how good you look in it, and they tell you the gas mileage, and they, oh man, they just sell you on everything. Same with a house, same with anything. Those salespeople, ever notice you go into most places? I don't shop at these places. Most places you go into don't have prices anywhere. How many know if you go into a store and you don't see any prices on the stuff, something's wrong? Because the first thing, I don't know about you, but when I go to shop, I don't look at what I like. Let me just chase this rabbit for a second. I don't look at what I like. I look at the price. Yeah. 
and then I like it. Amen? Or I don't like it. I'm looking, looking, looking. Okay, there's a good price. That's what I want to pay. And then I see if there's anything in that area. And if there's not, I don't get it. Amen? And so contracts and salespeople will sell you the thing but not talk about the price. Jesus, thank the Lord, is not that way. He says it's not too late to turn things around. It's not too late to come in the door, but there is a cost. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about salvation. There's no cost. Amen? That might be snow. Who knows? Ice, snow, sleet. Praise God. Wonderful Texas. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 9, 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road, watch this, that someone said to him, Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. That's the emotional decision at a revival service. Or the emotional decision at an altar call. Or the emotional decision in an anointed service. I'll do whatever you ask, God. Right? How many know that's easy to say? And Jesus said, okay, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He says to another, follow me. And the man says, well, I will, but let me go and bury my father first. Let me go and take care of that. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 61, but let me go first and say goodbye to my family. Jesus says, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Those are some pretty strong words. See, the great thing about God is his promises are so amazing and so wonderful. But he's looking for people who are sold out. He's looking people for people who are all in. Amen? He's looking for people who are not procrastinators and will literally say to God, God, I will follow you and I will believe you until you take me home that you're going to do what you said you do. I'll do whatever you want. How many know I was talking to someone this week about this? When Abraham was told by Isaac or by God to sacrifice Isaac, how many know the decision to say, yes, I will, was easy? Right? That's what we do in, in services and, and altar calls and messages is when the Holy Spirit's touching us and tugging on us and helping us to make a decision. We say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And Abraham said, yes, Lord, I'll sacrifice him. I'll, I'll do it. But how many know that was easy, but it got a lot harder when he was actually going and getting the wood to put on the cart. And then it was even harder as they began to pull the cart and were walking down the road and he's walking next to his son See, that's where the flesh comes in. Amen. That's where you really realize, man, is it too late? Is it too late to turn back now? When Isaac says, uh, Dad, where, where's the sacrifice at? Where's it at? The Lord will provide, son. How many know that as he was walking along, there were some real hard decisions going on in his mind. Every step he took, he knew this, is, this isn't as easy as it was when I said yes. This wasn't as easy as the pledge I made. This wasn't as easy as saying I'll pray for half an hour a day. This wasn't easy as saying I'll read the word every day. The flesh all of a sudden comes in and you realize it's not as easy as it is to say it. How many of you said I do and that was easy and have realized the rest of it was work? 
Oh, I don't, I guess I don't have any married people in here. Okay. The single person raised his hand. No, I was kidding. I do is easy. But I'll stay is hard. Amen? And so we have to understand that there's a cost, but God says it's not too late. Come on. Get busy. But I'm just trying to bring you a balanced meal. Not just going to shout and tell you it's not too late and pump you up and then not tell you it's going to cost you something. Because it will. But it's worth it. It's not too late to have a prayer life. I'm going to say it again. It's not too late to become a devourer of the word. It's not too late to become a better husband or wife. It's not too late to get set free from that addiction you want to get set free from. It's not too late to become an overcomer. It's not too late to do anything. It's not too late to see your family saved. Nothing is too late. It's nothing's too hard for God. Amen? It's just connecting with him and trusting him and saying, God, I give you everything I have. Amen? Following up with what we've gone through for the last week in revival. Following up and doing what God has told you to do. Understanding that it's personal. It's a personal relationship with the Lord. And whatever you told God is between you and God. Whatever you said you were going to do is between you and him. But follow through. It's not too late to do something powerful for God. Now, the last thing I want to show you is in the book of Joel. If you can find it real quick, I'll read it in verse 12 and 13. The key to realizing it's not too late is a spirit of God, I'm sorry for what I have not done. How many would be honest in here and say, I have not done, and I raise my hand, everything I could have done for the Lord? But God says it's not too late. Thank God for his mercy. Amen. You can sit there and you can try to analyze God all you want. And you can say, why does God let a thief on the cross go into heaven and, and good people go to hell? All you want. If you want to lose hair over that and get gray hair and be upset and do all that, go ahead. It's not going to change anything. Because we go back to this parable and Jesus says, he's Jesus in the parable, he basically says, am I not the owner of this vineyard? And if I want to pay artists $40 for the day for 30 minutes and I want to pay Myra uh, $40 for a whole day, that's my choice. That's my choice. I own the vineyard and you said you'd come work for me and it doesn't matter how he does it. God is God. How many know there's going to be, be honest, how many know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to go to hell over what I would call a mystery? They're trying to figure God out and they're trying to say, well, this isn't fair and that's not fair. The grace of God's not fair. How come somebody can die on their deathbed and call on the name of Jesus and be saved? And you got people who have given to the poor and worked good and been good people all their lives and they're going to go to hell because they didn't have Jesus. Well, guess what? Stop worrying about that and read the Bible that says the only way to heaven is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if he wants to let somebody in who doesn't deserve it, that's his choice. He wrote the book, I just follow it. Amen. That's what you've got to understand. It's not our rules. Don't go to hell over a mystery. You work, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling with the Lord. 
You come into that prayer meeting before service whether anybody else does. You get up in the morning and read that Bible not worrying about if someone else in your family does. You give what is God's without worrying about if anybody else does. You go out and outreach and tell people about Jesus and pass out cards not so that people would see you do it but so that God would see you do it. You do all these things unto the Lord and with the right heart and you know that at the end when it's all said and done God is a just God who is going to reward us for what we've done and he's a fair God amen and what we do is right and right will come out right with God can you say amen Joel 2 verse 12 says now therefore says the Lord here's what God wants you to do this morning you might say well I've been in revival all week I've been praying and crying well here's what God really wants us to do Pastor Andrews let it in perfectly we're talking about the vault of your heart as people we're good as that video says in faking it till you make it. We're good at that. God is not as concerned about, although it is very important, how much you pray here at church or how much you do here at church or how much you give here at church or all those things. He's, he's more concerned about what you do when you're by yourself and who you are when you're around other people. Amen. How many know that there, there's things that God is our, in our walk now with the Lord? Is, God has said, you know what? You don't need to do that no more. You're a new creation. There, there's places you don't need to go anymore. There's things you don't need to do. He says, turn to me with all your heart, Joel 2 says, verse 12, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And listen to this. He says, rend your heart. He says, basically, give me your heart and not your garments. So, Things are important. God wants us to give us things, but it's not the things. It's not. It, the, see, people that are rich or have a lot of money or, or want to donate or give, they, they give of the things they have, but they don't really want to give their heart. And so there's an outward giving thing, and hey, they're better givers than Christians all the time. Amen? They give more than believers do a lot of times, but they're not giving their heart. Say, I'll be, I'll be nice and I'll, I'll donate and I'll do these things. God says, I don't want the things. I want your heart. The people who are going to be in heaven are going to be the people who gave their hearts to Jesus. Not just their, their things. Amen? Things don't mean anything to God. How many know he can make anything? But it's the heart behind what you give. It's the heart behind the prayers you do. It's the heart behind. Now, part of it's discipline and part of it's saying, you know what? I'm going to open this Bible and read it no matter what. And there's a discipline to that and there's something to get you to make you do it. But God wants you to do it with the right heart. If you're reading the Bible mad, what good does that do? Gritting your teeth and I'm going to read five chapters and you get done. I did it. Think God cares about that? Amen. He wants, he wants it to be done with your heart. He'd rather have you read a few verses and love him as you read it. Amen. Than to just read it to read. So he says, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Now I want to finish with this thought. Return to the Lord your God. Verse 13. For he's gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. See, this is a verse you need to break out next time somebody tells you, why does God let people do this and die and all these bad? Well, you need to break this out next time and show them who your God is. Not that God needs to be defended, but how many know we should defend God? 
God is not trying to hurt people. Like what Pastor said during this, this revival, he's not, he's not up there waiting to see if he can come at the right time to catch the most people off guard. Let me see what the best moment is. He's not doing that. He wants, he wants the Bible says he wants everybody to be saved. He doesn't want to do harm. And he warns and he tells us and he continues to tell us and he continues to warn us, I'm coming. I'm coming. There's going to be a day when you can't work anymore. That your life is like a vapor. Do something for me. And he warns us and he warns us and he warns us. And, and, and we have to make the choice. Am I going to do something before he comes back or am I going to miss out? That's your choice. Amen? It's your choice. It's my choice. But it's not too late. It's not too late. Get that in your spirit. It's not too late. If the devil tells you, you've procrastinated too long, I'm telling you through the word of the Lord this morning, it's not too late. You can still do that ministry. You can still change your life around. You can still change your marriage. You can still change your finances. You can still change anything if your heart is right. Amen? I'm going to go ahead and ask the musicians to come this morning. As I was... Uh, I've seen people over the years, many times, struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle in God and struggle and struggle. And I could just see in their lives, just watching from outside, just, just looking, I could just see they weren't giving their whole heart. They weren't giving it all. It was an exterior. They were rending their garments. And we do that as human beings. We say, God... I'll give you this, but don't ask for that. Kind of like that vault Pastor Andrews was talking about. I'll give you this, but don't, don't, come, don't come in too deep. Don't ask for too much. And then I've seen other people over the years make a decision at an altar in a moment and, do, and see a change, not only in their life, but in their circumstances in a minute. I'm talking absolute turnaround in their in their situation why what's the difference why does someone struggle and struggle and try to do right 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 and then somebody else makes one decision and quickly something happens and you've you've even looked at them to someone like that before and say why why'd they prosper so fast why'd that change happen so fast why why'd they get blessed i've been and i've deal with, we all deal with this we all deal with sometimes looking at somebody else prosper or, or get a raise or whatever, anything, and say, well, what about me, God? You know what it all comes back to? Every single time is the heart. Because God, if you come up to an altar and you make a, make a prayer with God and you make a decision with God, how many know you can be making a decision with your mouth and even with your body? But the heart is what matters. And God, many times, many times I've seen it, will see you make a decision with your heart. And he's already honoring it and changing the situation and transforming things around as you're making the decision because he knows your heart is changing. Does that make sense? In the second you make that decision, he sees your heart and he can begin to do, do things, amazing things. That's all he's waiting for. And so we have to come to God and we have to say, God, I render my heart. And you might say, I've done it before. Yeah, but we can also pull it back. We can render our heart to God 
and then along the way at an altar call or at a situation we can grab it back and God says hey I, I, I had your heart at one time but I need it back if you want me to do anything Has anybody? Now don't raise your hand but I, I, I believe there's some people in here who have done that that's why Revelations talks about coming back to your first love now the question I wanted to ask you as we close is off this verse. I just read here. It said, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. I want you to be honest with yourself this morning. I'm being honest with myself this morning. I want you to ask yourself an honest question. And you'll know the answer. Are you in, a, are you in as, as much love with God today as you were when you got saved? Don't have to answer. Don't have to raise your hand. You ask yourself that question. Are you in as much love with God today? Whether it was five minutes ago or 50 years ago, are you in as much love? He says, return to the Lord your God. That means come back with your heart again. Lay your heart down at the altar again. God is gracious and merciful to the heart. Anytime you ever get in a struggle with doing these things that you've been challenged to do this week, it all comes back to how your heart looks at it and why you want to do these things. And it's all going to come back to, you know what, I want to pray because I love God. I want to read the Bible because I love God. I want to give because I love God. I want to go to church because I love God. I want to serve because I love God. I want to accept these challenges as challenges that the word gives me because I love God. Anybody following me this morning? I want to love my wife because of love, not because of obligation. I want to love my children because of love, not because of obligation. And if you'll stay in love with God and render your heart every day, it might be a day that you take it back not even on purpose but the Holy Spirit tugs on you the next day and says hey look where your heart is look at a situation you're in maybe it's a jealousy <clears throat> maybe it's a covetousness maybe it's an anger an unforgiveness a situation with somebody stop and look at your heart and God might be saying hey through the Holy Spirit hey you took your heart back I need it back I can only work with your heart in my hand as long as we have our heart, God can't do anything. That's free will. And it's a daily battle to render our heart and not our garments. How many are following me? Because garments means religion, means exterior, means what people see. And again, there are times that you do have to fake it till you make it for a minute. Don't stay that way. There are services where you don't feel like coming, but you come. And like Pastor said this last week at Revival, he'd, he'd run from work and he'd get there. And he didn't feel like being there, but by the time the service was over, he was so glad he came. I, I can't, I'd be pressed to believe that somebody would come to church in an anointed service and come to an altar and, res, and respond and all these different things and go home and be mad you came. But there are times you have to fake it till you make it, but don't do that every day. Don't get into a place where you're faking it so much, you stop making it. That's where people fall off. They fake it so much, they go four or five or six or seven or eight services and they don't render their heart to the Lord and all of a sudden, God stops dealing with you. He says, I, can't, I cannot, because God cannot make you serve Him.
God is not going to come down and beat you over the head, push you down to the ground and say, pray to me. That's what's so amazing about him. Is he's gracious. And he's slow to anger. He's just saying, ah, I just wish you'd give me your heart back. I could do so much. He might even remind you sometimes as we're closing this morning. He might even remind you sometimes. Remember, remember how much you did for me and how much I did in you when I had your heart? Remember those times? How many can think back of some great moments personally with God and in ministry where you felt his presence, you've seen his glory? At those moments, he had your heart. His heart, your heart was in his hand. But then you look at those times where you struggled and you could realize, if you're honest, you pulled it back. So this morning, my challenge to you is remember, it's not too late. So there's a saying that it's never too late. Have you ever heard that saying? That's not true. It, there will be a time where it will be too late. The Bible says that. Jesus said that. I'd be lying to you if I said it's never too late to turn to God. Because there will be a day where we will not be able to work. There will be a day when you breathe your last breath. So I can't tell you it's never too late. I can tell you it's not too late. Amen. That, you might say that's a play of words, but it's really not. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day you make your choices. Today's the day you say, I'm putting these things in motion. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word that you placed in my heart and I believe by faith, God, that I got it out the way you put it there. And I believe that this is the word that you have for our church this morning coming off of this revival. I believe that you really challenged us. I really believe you challenged many of us as individuals in our prayer life, in our reading of the word, in our giving, in our faithfulness to the church during this revival. And I want to follow that up Lord being obedient to your spirit this morning and challenging our congregation to understand it's not too late we can still turn it around Lord it's not too late for our country it's not too late for our city it's not too late for our family this morning it's not too late to answer the call of God this morning Father today is the day of salvation Oh, Lord, I've seen you work in the 1159 hour all my life. And I know you're going to come through every time. Teach us to wait. Teach us to be patient. Teach us to understand that you are slow to anger, quick to forgive. But God, there will come a time. Oh, Lord, that every backslider ever in this church would hear these words. There is a time where it will be too late. There is a time where we can turn away and mess around with the things of this world too long. Where time runs out on our situation, Father. Help us this morning, God, to accept the challenge that you've given us as a church. Help us to step into being the people that you've called us to be. Lord, I accept the challenge as a father, as a leader, as a husband. I accept it in my own personal life, God, to be a greater prayer warrior, to read more of your word, to be more, Lord, of everything you've called me to be. And Lord, I ask you to remind me of the cost every day. And Lord, if there comes a time when I have grabbed my heart back from you, that Lord, I would render it again. How many this morning all over this place